Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 77, which begins with Max taking the black on black to start hunting bikies, and it ends with Max pressing the grease rat for information. And yes, that is a pun. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll get to that when we get to it. Yes. We start off this minute with arguably one of the most iconic shots of the movie. Max walking through the MFP garage into the shadows and then almost immediately as he disappears into the shadows, the black on black just drives towards the camera and we get this excellent shot. Of yeah, the it's car. almost a uh, it, it's almost like Max transformed into the car, which the car is called the black on black and Max wears all black. So, it's an interesting comparison. Yeah. Awesome. And it's kind of nice to see him finally get to use the car that yeah. apparently was made for him. I don't understand that whole thing. As a, he has, arguably, possession of this car for the rest of the series. Like, his whole life starts to revolve around his ownership and maintenance of this V8 Interceptor right here. I mean, even when it gets beat up and wrecked out, he, like, makes it his life mission to rebuild it again. Right. Like, this is his life now. He's lost his family. He's lost his friends. He's essentially going rogue from his job. The only thing left in his life is this car. Right. It's the only thing left that he identifies with. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an um, it's an excellent representation of Max in car form. Yes, Really, two peas in a pod. Yep, absolutely. And these peas drive out of the garage and kind of hook a corner and drive through the MFP courtyard out onto the road. And this courtyard is covered in garbage. Yeah. It's like the... Which I'm thinking back to, and I probably should have looked at the scenes. Uh, I'm thinking back to the last time we were there. And I mean, it's not a particularly clean courtyard from what I can remember, but... It wasn't this messy. Nothing like this. It's like the kangaroos got into the garbage or something like that. (laughs) Okay. Kangaroos are not considered an urban pest for the Melbourne area. You are more likely to have your your garbage bags torn open by the common ringtail possum. So we have critters in our neck of the woods, but they're technically opossums instead of possums like you find in Australia. And so... To sate my own curiosity, I went and looked up the difference between the common ringtail possum, which is found in Australia, and the North American Virginia opossum, which is found in North America. In the habit of repeating myself today. How's that different? I don't know. Hey, you're the one that edits the episodes. Exactly. So... So the Virginia opossum generally has like a white face with a grayish white body, black ears and feet coarse fur, sharp teeth like a cat, but the primary distinguishing feature of an opossum is its bare rat-like tail. These things are ugly, like just hissing and gross and aggressive. I mean, it's not something you necessarily want to see in your backyard. Are those the ones that hang upside down by their tails? Yep. Those are also the ones that will pretend to be dead. Ah. 
And so if you like graze one on the road right. or like drive too close to it, you'll like see in your rearview mirror it lying in the road and you're like, oh no, it's dead. And then if you're one of those people, you'll pull over to the side of the road and try and like kick it off into the woods and then it'll just hop alive and like. What kind of Meow. people do that? People that don't want roadkill in the road, I guess. I don't know. I've never done it. So I'm not speaking from personal experience or anything like that. Contrasting the North American opossum is the Australian possum, which is also called the common bushtail possum, which looks a lot more like a large chinchilla than like the rat-faced, you know, rawr, opossum of the North American <laughs> variety. Yeah. So, first of all, completely different color. Uh, they range from chinchilla gray to like fox silver gray and gold, and they could even be black. The ears of a possum are larger, and their fur is softer and more bushy. The key differentiator is the Australian opossum has a big old bushy tail covered in fur, as opposed to, like, the skinny rat tail of the North American opossum. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it should be noted that both animals are technically marsupials, and their snouts, feet, and eyes are oh. similar. Marsupials, uh, huh? They both have similar diets, essentially being opportunistic omnivores. Opossums and possums both eat, uh, uh, to varying degrees, meat and other animal matter such as insects, birds' eggs, small vertebrates, leaves, flowers, shoots, fruits, seeds, garbage. You know, cat food. Stuff that's left outside. So, like, everything. Yeah. They are considered an urban pest for the Melbourne area, and I actually went on a website that described the work responsibilities of someone working in pest control around Melbourne. And what stood out to me is that it's only the possums in the mammal category. Because when you think about mammals that get into our type of garbage, you've got possums, raccoons, squirrels, bears, you know, a lot more variety. And I'm surprised that this website didn't list more than just ringtail possums. Well, I guess that's what's native to the area. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And as we've been talking about possums, we've essentially just had Max driving along because that's the next shot we see is just a profile of him driving in the black on black. Yeah, we get a good look at him uh, inside the car. The inside of the car looks great. Oh, pristine. Yeah. Like it's no one's really been riding, nice. Like no one's ever driven it before. <laughs> right. I'm a little surprised. It caught my attention that it was so nice looking because this is supposedly like a thrown together car. Like. Mm -hmm built from bits and pieces from wherever they could get them. Oh, shoot. What's his name? Barry? Yep. Yeah. So that's why I was a little surprised, and I noticed how nice the interior was. I imagine, like, just because society is falling apart, that doesn't mean that people aren't still around to, like, detail cars. Yeah. And clean up the interior, clean up the exterior, you know, get, in the, get out the buffing pads and the Scotch-Brite and stuff like that. And I imagine, like, Barry put all this work into this black-on-black, -black, and he probably has a friend that could, you know, use the money, use the, the government money, maybe give him a chance to get into the People's Reserve. You know, dress up the car and make it look nice. Yeah. I always, I always try and think of apocalypse-proof jobs, and Detailer is not the one that I initially think of. But in situations like this where people are like obsessed with how their cars look, I can see how that would be a valuable skill to have. Right, cause thinking ahead to the upcoming movies, yeah, the black on black is a nice looking car, but it pales in comparison to what 
we will see. Oh, yeah. Absolutely pales in comparison. So people who have those skills and the artistic eye to be creative about how they detail cars could make some decent money in the post-apocalyptic future. Yeah. I think the rough part about that would probably be once things start to get more arid and the dust starts to get more prevalent, you see it a bit in Road Warrior. You see it much more in Fury Road and Beyond Thunderdome, where the dust has just taken over everything. And that it's at that point where it's like, Ugh, yeah, it's going to be really hard to keep that clean. Yeah. For sure. Yes. But speaking of working on cars, we go from this profile shot of Max driving, and then we cut to the grease rat sitting underneath a car working on its undercarriage there. Yes, and I would absolutely say that a, a good mechanic is a po- is an apocalyptic-proof job. <laughs> I think we mentioned yesterday how heavily society relies on its vehicles. Mm-hmm. And in post-apocalyptic movies, we see vehicles just abandoned all over the place. If you're a mechanic and you can keep those going, you are set. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So, Grease Rat is, like I said, underneath the car. And then Max appears in the doorway, kind of off to the Grease Rat's right side a little bit there. And... He presents a very nice silhouette. Mm. And the way he steps into the door, his motions and, and he... He steps into the door, and then he walks across the shop, steps into the door out to this back courtyard where the grease red is. His motions seem very reserved, and they remind me, and they remind Grease Rat of somebody else. Right. And that makes perfect sense, now that I'm, like, thinking about it. Mm-hmm. That Grease Rat calls out, says, hey, is that you, Bubba Zanetti? Right. So, Grease Rat says, as he's... Sitting underneath the car. Bubba Zanetti, is that you? You come for the grunt? She won't be ready until this afternoon. Still having trouble with the front forks. They're mongrels to work with. So I instantly latched on to the term grunt. You come for the grunt. And I'm like, okay, what? Because I haven't heard anyone refer to a motorcycle before as a grunt. And if it's like a term that he's using so specifically, does it even refer to the motorcycle or does it refer to an aspect of the motorcycle? I I don't know. Because usually these things are really easy to pick out. I jumped on Wiktionary.org and punched it in and it just came out with a bunch of different stuff. Like the best I can describe it, when the Grease Rat says, you come from the grunt, he's either talking about Bubba Zanetti's motorcycle, either making a weird noise, like the engine is making a noise it's not supposed to, or Bubba Zanetti wants the engine to make more noise in a certain way. Okay. And so he could be working on that. Or it could be related to how the engine works. One of the things on Wiktionary.org said that a grunt could also be referring to like the power that an engine puts out, the uh, the horsepower. And so it could be that Bubba coming back for the grunt means that maybe the grease rat was souping up the engine, giving it more power, making it able to go faster. That which, could also be a thing. Right, which actually makes a lot of sense. The What came to my mind first was the term grunt work. Mm-hmm. Which is which I picture as somebody a grunt being someone who does the manual labor, the that, non-skilled, yeah, the non-skilled that still is very valuable has to get done. So I'm wondering if he's referring to his bike that way. Maybe, maybe. which isn't very flattering. No, not at all. And I don't know why you'd want to insult Bubba Zanetti. So I like your definition of. What was it again? Souping up the engine? Yeah. Increasing the, the the horsepower? 
I mean... That seems like the most relevant. It definitely does. I'm, I'm not ruling out the idea of the grease rat eliminating some sort of weird noise from the engine or making it louder. Especially considering that, like, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but my Kawasaki makes this weird ticking noise sometimes. You ever noticed that? No. No? Okay, it might just be me then. You make a weird ticking noise? No, the bike does. <laughs> don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Plenty of ridiculous in this minute to go around, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Where were we? So the grease rat is sitting underneath the car. He's saying all these things about the bike. And after he mentions the front forks being difficult to work with, Max, who has been walking around listening to all this, pulls the grease rat out from underneath the car. And when we watched it back and we started talking about it, you said something that was pretty much how I had already always assumed it was being done you said that you thought that max grabbed the grease rat's foot and pulled him out that yeah way. yeah because he seemed to like have one knee up in the air like one foot up close and one leg laying out flat mm -hmm. so i just assumed that he grabbed his leg and yanked him out yeah that's what i always assumed and so i was Sitting there, watching the minute over and over and over again, waiting to see Max's hand reach down and grab the grease rat's leg and pull. Yes, which I've noticed you never do. Exactly. As Max kind of walks around there, he finds this, like, thin piece of silvery metal. And it's really hard to catch if you're just watching it in real time. But if you're, you know, if you've got the tools that I do and you can go frame by frame, you kind of see it glint against the camera. And what he does is he kind of hooks it on the edge of the creeper that the grease rat is laying on. And that's how he pulls him out. Okay. And so the grease rat is violently pulled from out from under the car. And we get this this shot of Max standing, looking down at the grease rat, and the grease rat says, you asshole. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he must recognize him as the guy who left his tire behind. Yes. Yeah, that's how I read it. Yeah. He wasn't just calling him an asshole because he yanked him out from underneath the car. He's mm. calling him an asshole because he recognizes who he is. Yeah. <laughs> Quick question. Mm-hmm. Is asshole one of those things that I should bleep out to make sure that we don't get the explicit tag? Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> saying this out loud, it's going to be funny because I'm saying things like asshole. And should we censor asshole? And it's just going to be <laughs> the censorship noise all this time. And everyone's going to know what I'm talking about. But for the benefit of the children, you know. Right. Heaven forbid there be... Do it be all for the children. Heaven forbid there be swearing in an R-rated movie. And speaking of swearing, the very next thing that the Grease Rat says is, what the Molly you think you're doing? <laughs> okay, I tried to look up Molly online and... I say, like, did you have safe search on? Because that seems like a pretty slippery slope right there. Yes, I did. And I really... I, I did not delve to deep into it mm -hmm. realizing that it could be a slippery slope so i went to the I, I went straight to urban dictionary yep found nothing oh that's disappointing yeah and i i did a cursory search of like australian slang and didn't find anything either mm. the only references i could find were quotes from this scene weird which is always annoying yeah it's happened before where yeah i'm looking for something all i can find on this big wide internet is exactly what i'm yeah. Searching. That's always a little frustrating yes. when, you're, when you're looking for things contained in the scene and then it loops back around on itself. 
to be self-referential. Yes. Always um, reminds me of the rule is that you can't use the word to define the word. Right. That's exactly what happened to me. The more I thought about this, the more I was like, wow, I thought he was a mechanic. I didn't realize he was a sailor because he sure is cussing like one. Yep. Shiver me timbers. <laughs> for sure. So Max is standing over the grease rat just looking down at him. And he says, you and me are going to talk about the toe cutter. And the grease rat, suddenly not so talkative, he just looks up at Max. He says, never heard of him. And in response to that, oh, it's one of the most cringe-inducing things in this minute. Max kicks the creeper, and the grease rat slides backwards underneath the car. And I don't know exactly where he's supposed to hit his head, whether it's on the foot pad at the edge of the car or some other component of the undercarriage, but you you hear this, like, sound effect and then the way they edit it and the way he's sliding around and gripping his head oh the impact of the scene it just makes me cringe every time i watch it because it just seems so painful that max kicks him under there and he just bashes his head on the underside of that car is rough yes although it's not enough to convince grease rat uh to do anything no no it's max is gonna have to go to much more extreme measures to get him to talk yeah which is in this sort of world is to the grease rat's credit i really don't understand why he wants to be so tight-lipped i mean yeah later on uh he says it he says let's see he says i mind my own business don't i i mean they'll kill me won't they and it's like exactly he doesn't even know for sure that they are gonna kill him though oh yes he does (laughs) but oh so after yeah well like as he's saying yeah that they'll kill him oh max lowers the car down on his chest Uh uh-huh he oh my gosh okay so it's rough max reaches over to the jack And he kind of twists it. And I don't know if you noticed it, but as he's twisting the handle, he gets kind of this little duck face expression on his his face. Like in satisfaction? Yeah, just kind of a, hmm. Okay. As the... I didn't notice it, but I can like picture what you mean. Yeah. So the reason he drops the car onto the grease rat is because the first questions he asks... Wow, rewind. That's right. We missed one of the questions he asked. The first question that he asks the grease rat is, I want to know about the tattoo. Yes. And the tattoo is something that has not come up in the movie yet. This is the first time we get a direct mention does it come of up? the tattoo. It doesn't come up in the movie for the rest of the movie, does it? Nope. This is the only time. I think this is another thing that got cut from the movie. Yeah. You can still see it, and it's got some really interesting connotations but they never bring it up. Right. Every member of Toe Cutter's gang, with the exception of Johnny the Boy, have a tattoo somewhere on their face. And this is actually something, even if you go back to the beginning of the movie with the Knight Rider, he has this tattoo on its face. Which is funny because I didn't notice it. I wasn't as practiced at noticing all the little details going minute by minute. It'd be interesting to go back and do the beginning of the movie again. Anyways, I do recall noticing like a mark on his face i thought it was just a mole nope so i found a post on the discussion boards of madmaxmovies.com uh this one specifically is from username lone wolf who wrote this nice little blurb about the tattoo that all of these gang members share so in the beginning of the movie if you remember the night riders referred to as a cop killer and everybody else in the gang has this same tattoo 
and it is, as Lone Wolf describes, the shape of the Greek letter for F. It's a small circle with a vertical line running through the middle of it. The Which I immediately recognized when you read that to me as the symbol that they put on the ground by burning out the tires. Exactly. So George Miller has been known to put in references to his Greek heritage throughout the Mad Max franchise. You know, the writing that was on the wall that Roop was sitting on in the opening scene, Mm -hmm. that was Greek. The symbol here, Greek. He's putting it, little things here and there. But Lone Wolf posits that the Greek symbol for F could be in reference to the Greek word that means killer. And I don't speak Greek. And every time I've tried to say this word, it's come out with more of a Latin pronunciation, phanias, which I'm pretty sure a Greek would not enjoy someone pronouncing their Greek words with a, you know, more Italian flair to it. And what's nice about the internet is you have places like howtopronounce.com and you can punch in these words and these little robot voices will read it to you. So there's the one that I say, which kind of sounds like phanias. But then there's other ones like and so I'm not sure which one specifically is the official pronunciation of the word. Like I said, I feel like mine is a little too romantic. The other two might be more close to the actual Greek. But going back to the idea of the tattoo, the fact that each of them has this little F on their face, you know, that's what marks them as an official member of the gang. Johnny doesn't have one on his face at all for most of the film, and I'm not really sure if it shows up after Goose dies, because that would be his initiation. so much sense. It also helps to explain why Toe Cutter was so insistent on the whole Goose thing. Exactly. And why he was so insistent that Johnny do it. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a really big thing. It was a big scene. And that helps to explain why it was so important. Exactly. It's because it was his final initiation. It also explains back when we were in We Jerusalem, when they were all hanging out in the street and you had that one guy on the motorcycle. He did that, yes. that circle burnout and then he took off. He was marking the street with their symbol. Yes. Just like they marked the street with their symbol after they wrecked the Chevy. Yes. And if you're going to choose a symbol that's easy to do on a motorcycle. Yeah. I mean, you just start burning out, spin in a circle. Make sure you you don't necessarily want to cap off the circle from the look of it. There is a bit of a a space in the circle before you start the line down through it. Oh, well, if you're burning out in a motorcycle, you don't have that. You don't have that much control. I was that. If you're making a solid circle. Yeah. Exactly. it's, It's close enough. And quite impressive anyways. So all of this information, the Grease Rat does not want to give up. Like I had to go out and I had to find it because the movie didn't make it easy for me. Nope. I had to go find someone else who to give me that. Grease Rat does not want to talk. So in response to Grease Rat not wanting to talk, like we said earlier, Max releases some pressure from the jack and this car eases down onto the Grease Rat's ribcage. So MadMaxMovies.com, once again, they have a Cars Index page. This car is a 1936 Chevrolet two-door town sedan. They weigh about 3,000 pounds, which for people that use metric is about 1,360 kilograms. Like, it's not a 50cc dirt bike. It's not any small thing. This is a huge car. Would be bigger if it was more of a wagon than a sedan, but it's still a huge car. Yeah, that's still a lot of weight on his chest. Yeah, and you can 
tell that he's in a lot of pain because he just lets out this wail. Yeah, I I can't even, like, put this into context in my head. Mm -hmm. Like, hitting his head on something under the car, I can put that in context. We've all banged our head on something unexpected, and we know what it feels like. I have no context for something like this. And it just... Especially after having had the conversation about all the things that happened to Jesse and all those internal injuries. Like, that's the same sort of thing, that crushing. Yeah. That's the same sort of thing that Max just did to the grease rat. Yeah. I'm not sure which is worse to think of. Because Jesse sustained all of those injuries at high speed, high impact. The grease rat, his injuries were more slow. And it's like, but with a lot more weight. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. So I'm sure there's some math to be done there that is far beyond me. Yeah. I think Jesse's injuries are much more horrific because they do turn out to be fatal. Yes. But as far as would you rather situations? Well, like if you get hit by um, the bike on the road, you're probably going to slip into a, a shock and coma and whatnot, and you're not right. going to feel it that much. Whereas if someone's dropping a car on your chest, you know, Grease Rat stays it's... conscious this whole time. Right. And now Max didn't kill him and wasn't trying to kill him. So he lifted the car up actually really quickly. Um, But had he like killed him slowly, like slowly crushed him under the car. Mm. That would have just been a horrific way to go. He would have been alive until his chest was crushed and his organs were crushed. Right, right. A lot longer. I think he would have lived conscious longer than Jesse. I think Jesse went unconscious pretty darn quick. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But, oh. Yeah. Yeah. So. I do appreciate how quickly Max raises up. It's about one and a half seconds yeah. that that car is, is pressing on, on right. the grease rat before and, J- Max starts right. pumping and it I, back up. And not with all of its weight. Right. You know, he just let the jack down a little bit. He didn't release the jack. Yeah, because two of the tires were still on the ground and it was kind of angling down. It wasn't the full force of 3,000 pounds, but right. it's but, enough. Right. It's enough. It's enough sure. to, I think, cause some damage. Oh, we'll, absolutely. I think we'll get into some evidence of that in the next minute. Yep. So tomorrow, Max, like we said, has started to jack up the car. Tomorrow, Max is going to remove the grease rat and start, you know, asking him a couple more questions mm-hmm. and getting a lot more cooperation than yes. he got this time around. Yes. So come back for that. In the meantime, our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute, like us on Facebook, and join our listeners page, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 77. We'll see you tomorrow. Motorbikes and men, take me to the end.